welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. My name is Morgan, and I'm here with my co-host, Gavia. Hello. This week, we are not talking about pop culture. We are talking about politics, since the first presidential debate was held last night, and we thought that we really had to discuss it, since no one else has talked about anything besides this for the entire day. Um, we've been off for a few weeks, sort of unexpectedly, due to me preparing to go to grad school and this is actually my first full day in England so I did not get to watch this while it was airing last night I woke up very jet lagged at like 8 30 this morning and lay in bed thinking I have to watch this debate before I do anything else today and then made myself do it on the computer without the benefit of Twitter screaming in agony with me and you it see, was we both really watched something. this we both watched this in peak condition because last <laughs> night what I did is um, me and my housemates were hosting a murder mystery dinner party. So I had a big dinner, had several glasses of wine, <laughs> had a nap for two hours, woke up at 1am, baked cookies while still feeling slightly drunk, then watched the debate, which lasted until like quarter to four, and then got up the next day to go to work. <laughs> so I, I mean, I was like, every other time there's a debate in the US, I'm like, look, I'm only going to watch the first half hour because it's at a completely ridiculous hour. Why would I stay up this late? And every time I stay up all the way through. So this time I was nominally sensible. How do we power a nap? And I hate myself. <laughs> but it was, it was truly the event of the year. So it wasn't it worth it to witness that. <laughs> I do feel like felt a sense of international community among everyone who was sort of screaming on the internet. We're not going to know what the fallout from this was for a few days, but I'm very curious to see how this pans out because obviously all of the reactions I saw were extremely negative. <laughs> yes. Which sadly will not be the case universally amongst all people in the world, even though on an objective level they should be because it was horrifying deeply on... surreal experience yeah. to watch someone who like didn't doesn't really know like what isis is or what racism <laughs> is or what nuclear weapons are having a conversation about that with a career politician on live television really wild it was like a kind of reality show appropriately <laughs> enough so. well the like run-up to this was really interesting because as of a couple months ago, even up to a few weeks ago, there was a kind of discussion of, you know, is he going to do the debates at all? Like, I think he skipped out of one of them before, like, during the primaries. Like, he's obviously a huge coward, so the prospect of doing this with Hillary Clinton is not hugely appealing to him, I would imagine. There was fuss about the, when they were scheduled, about the moderators. Obviously, he then did do it. But then everyone was kind of wondering, like, what is he going to be like? Is he going to try to just be very haha low energy and not really say or do much to try to, you know, just seem as normal as possible so that the press then is like, wow, he seems so amazing and presidential, even though, like, for most people, that wouldn't be impressive. But obviously, in retrospect, that was never going to happen. For the first 10 minutes, I was sort of like he seems dull, right? Because his yeah. kind of general demeanour was a lot more low-key. He was clearly trying to do his sort of I'm a very calm person voice. Yeah. Uh, but he was also, like, he didn't really have prepared remarks in the way that most people... I mean, if you're someone who's running for president but isn't a great public speaker, 
you have like some prepared remarks but he was just doing the same repetitive ramblings so i was just like yeah. i have heard this same thing ten thousand times before but you're not wording it in a good way it's not like an actual prepared statement like marco rubio's stupid robotic thing in the debate <laughs> ten thousand years ago but then of course he got riled up and started talking nonsense and that was like the next hour and a half yeah well it was interesting because he can do the like calm isn't exactly the right word it is low energy which is hilarious because of the so many months of poor jeb bush enduring that time it's more like it's kind of quietly threatening slow speech yeah but like he's also often yelling while he does it it's very odd but it can only be achieved via the teleprompter because he has no control over himself so if he's which is also hilarious because he whines about teleprompters all the time but like if it's written in front of him he can sometimes make himself do it although people have then commented on the fact that often the day after he gives a long teleprompter speech he does something completely fucking shit crazy because like pull the plug out right he can't deal with it and so it was like for this he tried doing that at the beginning but there wasn't actually a teleprompter in front of him and so he couldn't sustain it because that's not who he is who he is is a crazy person who like the first kind of two things near the beginning where I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then it rapidly sort of devolved from there was the first time he spoke, I think, when he called her by her name and then like said Secretary Clinton and then was like, is that all right? Is that all right? And then said, I want you to be very happy. And I was like, what? oh, my. <laughs> what? And her face was just sort of, I mean, I wasn't I mostly wasn't actually watching it because I was sort of listening to it while on Twitter. <laughs> but like that was one of the points where I saw her face and you could just tell that she was like, I'm ready for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then obviously when he told her she had been fighting ISIS for her entire adult life. <laughs> Which was like what ten minutes in, and then I thought, oh yeah, it's it's all happening. That and, was and like, that was the point where because like sometimes he just says something that is so extreme, it's just like you get gaslighted even though you know it's happening. Because I was like, I'm like ninety nine percent sure that ISIS has not been around for very long. <laughs> but I was kind of double checking Wikipedia, like is he does he does he mean like an earlier offshoot that kind of revolved into no. No, he's just talking about the same organization that's only been on the public sphere in America since 2014. And then there were just some of the most amazing fact checks from people like the AP saying when Hillary was born and being like, Hillary reached the age of 18 in 1965. And then <laughs> 40, 40 to 50 years later, ISIS appeared on the horizon. Like, so of course, of course, she's not been doing that. And then his whole thing today was like on Twitter, he was sort of following up this up with like, oh, Hillary's done nothing in the past 30 years. Um, why do you think she's going to do anything um, now? She's And I'm like, well, the whole point is that once you're president you can do more so this argument really doesn't make any sense but okay <laughs> well, also like she was secretary of state and then before that she was a senator and then before that she was the first lady which like sometimes the first lady doesn't do very much but like hillary clinton definitely so did she's done quite a lot <laughs> and then before that was like doing was a lawyer doing a lot of impressive things like the idea that you would attack Hillary Clinton for, like, not doing anything with her life is, like, maybe try something else. Like, that's not, you know. It's mm. just everything with Trump is constantly opposite day. Because, like, this is something we've talked about before, but 
a lot of the time when he's leveling an insult at someone, it's usually just him describing his own character traits. So there was a point where he was just talking about how Hillary was really underprepared, like, you don't have a plan. And then he was like, she's not going to do anything. And then there was just this kind of a litany of ways that he was insulting her that were just descriptions of all the things that he's extremely bad at himself and all of his own negative character traits. <laughs> right. I mean, at the end, when he's talking about how she has a bad temperament, after we've watched him for an hour and a half, like completely self-combust. And the audience was literally laughing at him because right. he's like, I have a fantastic temperament. It's my main strength. The audience were just like not having it. <laughs> right? Like it's just, it really is. And this, you can see this on Twitter all the time too. He'll insult someone. And if you just like replace the name with like I, or like, you know, Donald Trump or whatever it's, he's just talking about himself. It's, it's, he's, simultaneously one of the most sort of psychologically opaque and transparent people like in the world simultaneously which is a conundrum but also i feel true like it's just it's so obvious and yet what makes him tick we will never know and that's probably just as well like oh my god it was really one of the most i mean i've watched so many presidential debates in my life like so many and this was just on a level beyond anything I have ever seen. I was so full of rage for the entire time. I My head just about exploded. Like, I really think that watching a woman in that position having to deal with that shit was just, like, set off something in my brain that could not be contained. I was just like, this is... Oh! It was just... It made me so mad. It didn't even really have anything to do with like content because the content he like he wasn't dealing with content yeah i mean he doesn't like, have any policies not... if you go to even if you go to his website there's just sort of like subheadings <laughs> and then I, nothing underneath i was reading so there's something on twitter today that they were saying you know she kept saying like okay like none of this is true you can go to my website and like the fact checkers are working in real time to you know debunk what he's saying and he then was like you can go to my website too and it was like there's nothing on his website like there's that's not happening it's not there but he i guess felt compelled to like keep up with i don't there was at least one instance where he did the thing where she used because his vocabulary is usually like relatively simple but she would use a word that was like you know, he, he, she used like the word cavalier or something and then he immediately like used it in like the next section. It was like, you just learned a vocabulary word. <laughs> you just copied what she just said to make yourself sound smarter. It was, yeah. God. But like the whole gender aspect is like, I saw so much of that just all over Twitter last night. So many think pieces today because there's just like five different levels to it because so like visually, the fact that she's smiling through almost everything except when they're specifically talking about something really tragic like gun crime she's just smiling all the way through i mean she looked fine like i didn't think it looked weird but it was just like the only reason that happened is because she has to smile all the time because she's a woman and then of course like i can't remember who it was but like some pretty like very prominent journalist then immediately after the debate tweeted being like why does she look like she's smiling like she's at her granddaughter's birthday party all the time and everyone was just like obviously because she spent her entire career with people telling her to stop frowning in the public eye and then that was the part of the iceberg that was underwater and then the stuff that was so obvious in the surface is just like trump interrupting constantly my entire twitter feed was women just being like we've all experienced this in the workplace <laughs> oh my god just watching her 
The smiling was interesting because some of it was clearly like, this is how I must look while I'm on television. And then some of it was clearly Amusing. like she just, she just couldn't believe what was happening. Like it was yeah. so <laughs> absurd. Um, and I did take great pleasure in the few moments when he just said something so unbelievably stupid or so offensive that it, she barely even needed to respond and she would kind of like cackle and just be like, all right. I was like, yes, that's great. Cause you normally can't get away with that as a woman in public, but like he was so awful that it actually like freed her up a little bit, which was like perversely satisfying. Um, but like the interrupting thing and the sec, it was like, it was interesting because Bernie Sanders did that too, actually, obviously on, on a much more minimal scale. But it really bothered me then too, because I remember thinking and saying like, okay, so if she tried to interrupt Bernie Sanders, everyone would have a fucking conniption about it. But this was like that times a hundred. Like it was just. And also when like, Sanders was interrupting from a gendered perspective, a lot of that stuff is sort of built in and it's unconscious lack of respect that isn't necessarily on the surface kind of thing. But, like, he was disagreeing with her on issues, whereas, like, when Trump was interrupting her, a lot of the time he was just, like, leaning into his microphone, saying, wrong, and then just saying it, like, five times. It's like, that's not, like, you're just denying it because you're not, like, counteracting that at all. My favourite interruption was actually when he interrupted the moderator, Lester Holt, just to talk about his temperament. Lester Holt would be like, okay, we want to move on to the next question. He'd be like, no, we have to talk about my amazing temperament. I've got the best temperament. It's enormous. And it's just like, that's not... (laughs) That's not something you need to interrupt the moderator for. And it just made me think of, I heard this interview, I think it was the same day with the guy who ghost wrote Trump's book, um, The Art of the Deal. Two of the things he said is that obviously Trump loves to talk about himself, but also he has no staying power. He doesn't have the attention span for more than like 10 minutes of talking, which was why I was really curious to see how the debate would go, because it's 90 minutes of live television. And kind of reports from his public speaking at events, usually there's a lot of people who are like, well, obviously there's a huge queue of people to go and there's a massive audience. And he's very good at playing to that audience with his popular hits, like a stand-up comic. But also people start to leave after half an hour, even though they've been queuing for hours, because they've seen the entertaining part and you don't actually want to stand around for two hours watching a man ramble. And then he'll just leave the stage once it looks like half the audience is gone kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's, that's what this was. And he like, didn't, he couldn't remember any information. He couldn't study. And I just kept thinking about this interview with the ghostwriter who said that obviously when you're ghostwriting anything that's like a personal book or an autobiography, you have a series of interviews with the subject so you can get their general kind of tone and style. And apparently Trump would just like never be able to pin down because even though he loves talking about himself, he didn't have the attention span to actually focus on that topic for more than half an hour and be like, look, you've got enough material now. This is over. And it's just like, can you imagine having to corral him on the campaign trail? (laughs) No. I can't. Like, it's just too... I mean, they don't. Like, that's the answer. They just clearly have given up. I mean, everyone was sort of suspecting, like, all the sources in his camp were giving all these quotes about how he wasn't doing any preparation and on and on and on. And everyone was like, oh, don't buy that. They're obviously, like, you know, blowballing expectations. And uh, that clearly was accurate. He did not do any preparation. Like, he didn't even talk about, like, the fucking wall or whatever. Like, he didn't do, like, he doesn't know how to debate. Like, he didn't do any of the things you're supposed to do. Like, there were a number of things where 
like so the one of the sort of like biggest moments i thought was when they were talking about the taxes and the emails right so like lester holt asked her about the emails and she gave the best answer i think she's given so far which is basically like yeah i made a mistake and i would do it again and i'm sorry and like yeah, that was it was the, very succinct right she was like i'm done and also she's right. answered that like ten thousand times so i don't think the audience cares i mean people care but like people don't want to hear about it anymore because it's not interesting emails right. are boring right like your opinion on that is solidified like people either think that she is totally corrupt and that these emails have some kind of massive significance and nothing she says will dissuade them from that opinion or there are people like me who think it's pretty dumb but like i do not ever want to hear about this ever again but from a like style point of view by just apologizing and not going into any defense of herself at all it's sort of like deadening then that was sort of like folded into the discussion of his tax returns he also like made the comment at that point about how not filing income tax makes him smart thereby sort of inadvertently admitting that he does not pay income tax which was interesting they then asked her about the emails and like he brought it back to the income tax after that and i was like no like don't bring that up again i mean i thought it was great but like that's such a stupid yeah there was like that and there was one other moment because when they were talking about the crime and racism section he brought up hillary clinton's super predator line from the 90s which is something that she's like had to struggle with throughout the campaign because it just it's terrible right and she's had to apologize for it but that was like probably the most effective attack line he had apart from the emails and he just kind of left it like he said it and she was like made some response that kind of deadened it and then later on was talking about how everyone in america has implicit racial bias which is like surprisingly controversial on a mainstream public forum but then he just never came back to it and like you're terrible at this you're not even hammering home at the things that would actually weaken her in the one part that you're meant to be trying to gain strength the race section to me was like the most amazing and surreal of all of it because the sort of first part of it was almost the most like they were the most disparate in their approach like he was rambling on and on about law and order blah 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 and then she was giving all of these policy specifics about like closing private prisons and like you know maximum minimum sentencing and all of this stuff that like if you know anything about that those kinds of issues it's not like that's incredibly detailed but like that's some relatively substantive stuff for a forum of this nature and you could tell that like he was he was like they were on different planets even more so than they had been for most of the time and then obviously they got into the like birtherism stuff which i like the whole, that whole thing has been maybe the most outrageous thing to me of everything that he has said and done in the campaign, which is really saying something because obviously he has said an just unprecedented number of despicable things. But the fact that he is now trying to pretend that like her people started the birtherism conspiracy theory is so like mind numbing to me i can't even handle it but then the moment where he 
like Lester Holt asked him what he would say to African Americans about that, and he kept, like repeatedly was like, "I would say nothing. I would say nothing." I was just like, "What is wrong with you? Like, what's going on?" I it was just, and then his defense was like he helped Obama out by forcing him to release it, and he should have released it sooner. Yeah, because he, like, he was, his his line was like, "Oh yeah, we've kind of I helped." the president be more transparent and not put this to the rest. And it's like, no, because you were pushing this for years and years after he like shared this genuinely pointless information that doesn't actually make any difference. It's like, what do you think is going to happen as well? Cause it's like, Oh, it turns out there's some flaw in his birth certificate. We're going to like impeach Obama. Like even when you get to that point, it's just so ridiculous. Well, and also um, like if you hadn't fucking started this in the first place, of course, no one would have cared. No, so... it's like, it wasn't, I mean, I think even, like, Mitt Romney was just like, this isn't real, please stop. It was, I... Throughout the entire campaign, obviously, he's always been really racist. But then over the past two months or something, he's gone in this sort of weird Nixonian law and order thing where he's decided to adopt the idea of there being a a crime wave. And he was just talking about that for, like, ten minutes. And, like, while Hillary Clinton was, like, straddling the well-nigh impossible line of trying to be like, cops are fine and I love cops, while also being like, police violence is a really big problem in this country, (laughs) which is like, okay, sure. And then he was just talking about how 4,000 people get shot every year in Chicago. And he kept going on about Chicago. And at that point, I was like, so I've never been to Chicago and I don't know anyone from Chicago, but I'm offended on Chicago's behalf. (laughs) I'm reasonably sure that literally no one in Chicago is going to be voting for you now. (laughs) Maybe someone's racist old grandfather who was already voting for (laughs) Donald Trump. (laughs) I mean... And this kind of idea where it's his method of appealing to black people is to say, I know that your lives are hell and everything about your existence is terrible and filled with violence, but I can solve that problem by injecting more police into your community. (laughs) In a weird way, it's consistent with his appeal to white voters, despite the fact, I mean, like with added racism. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, his whole thing is like the world is a scary place and I'll protect you, but he doesn't understand that that's not necessarily going to work for everyone. Right. Because his whole thing is like, we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. Like, everyone running this country is a loser and makes terrible deals, and America is a flaming hellhole, but I'm going to fix it. Which, for white men, seems to be doing just a great argument, but for black people, that doesn't really work. Yeah, that's the same way, because it's like, obviously... I'm not speaking from a place of experience here, but pretty much every demographic that like he's appealing to, apart from white men, he's like, okay, um, I know it's really terrible for Hispanics, black people, and women, but don't worry, I can improve that. Everyone in that demographic is just like, the problem is you and people like you. Right. <laughs> so he's like, you're maybe not the best person to tackle all the things that are making my life garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, only I can solve this problem by removing myself from the presidential race. Yep. That is correct. I thought, like, in that section, it also was a prime example of the difficulty of fact-checking him. And I thought Lester Holt, like, he barely made any effort to do this. Like, he was, it was like he was barely there. But the couple times he tried, like, one of them was the stop-and-frisk stuff, which, like, to his credit, he did really make an effort there. And so, like, stop-and-frisk was implemented in New York for... Well, quite a while, like almost 20 years, I think, and was ruled unconstitutional because it doesn't do anything. And more importantly, it's prejudicial. Um, and 
he said this because Donald Trump has been praising this and he was like, but it was unconstitutional, so you couldn't implement it anyway. So like, you know, dot, 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 question mark. And like Trump just kept being like, no, no, actually, no, that's wrong. Actually, you're wrong. And like, I was just sitting there and I kept thinking, like, obviously they have to fact check him or push back when he's just lying because that's preferable to just letting him say whatever he wants. But he's so impervious to any of that, that almost like, what, what do you do? Like, yeah, that's the one aspect of his debate strategy. If you could call it a strategy that's actually effective, because if he just relentlessly denies that he's lying, but doesn't extrapolate any further and just really loudly keeps shouting the lie, it's proven that that's an extremely effective tactic. Right. Like most of the people who follow him and are watching the debate and are like, you know, even if you're like potentially likely to maybe swing over to Hillary instead, if he's just really loudly and vociferously denying that it's a lie, they can't just keep having this little slap fight for 10 minutes. They have to let it go and people are not going to go and research that probably. Right. I thought the one with about the Iraq war with Hannity was less effective because basically he just went on this long rant about how really he had been opposed to the war in Iraq. And the proof of this was that he had talked to Sean Hannity about it. You could call him, you could call him up and ask him. And people did. And Sean Hannity was like, well, actually, no. <laughs> so he said yes, but he said there's no transcripts or proof. Right. And, like, Sean Hannity was literally in Trump ads. Like, he's not a neutral source. Now, I'm sure for many people, they will believe that. But it's it was, you know, watching it from my perspective, I didn't think it came off that well. So I don't know what people in the middle would feel about it. Well, it was also a fantastic example of the people that they choose to highlight, right? Because as far as I remember, I think Hillary only called out two people. And it was Michelle Obama, where she was quoting a speech. And then there was the Miss Venezuela um, contestant, who she then, her campaign clearly had like a pre-prepared ad that they then released today, where this um, former beauty pageant contestant was talking about how Donald Trump had, uh, first of all, like not given her all the money that she was owed from like all the contracts she got after winning this beauty pageant. And then um she'd like gained weight and trump threatened to take away her crown if she didn't lose weight and then trump bullied her into having eating disorder and also did this really bizarre thing where he made her work out for the cameras as like a media event so she was losing weight in front of this giant phalanx of photographers and entire press corps um and this was like 20 years ago she's now 39 she just got american citizenship and is voting in the elections so this was like the dynamite amazing <laughs> election ad for hillary clinton because it you know it even included all this footage of donald trump from 1996 so that was who hillary had which was two extremely pre-prepared well-selected like focus grouped people which is exactly what you'd expect from someone like hillary clinton who has been campaigning for 120 years and then <laughs> trump was like, he name-checked Sean Hannity, like, call my friend Sean Hannity, I promised that I, did, I didn't support the Iraq war, and Sean Hannity's like, I wasn't expecting this. And he name-checked <laughs> Howard Stern, which is like, sure, Howard Stern's in a presidential debate, but definitely the best part was when he was talking about Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> and it's like, Rosie O'Donnell is not someone who is in the public sphere. She's not a political figure. She's someone Trump has been feuding with for, like, over a decade now, but she's not 
famous now. She's someone that people have heard of, but she's not on television on a regular basis. And the reason why they have a feud is because they both love arguing, but Donald Trump is like, you're fat, lesbian, and ugly. And it's like, that you can't, what are you doing? Why are you bringing that up in a public forum? There's literally, like, the only people who are going to be like, that's all right, are homophobes, which you've already got in the bag. And everyone else is just like, this is horrendous behavior. You're incredibly impolite and cruel. And the fact that you're bringing it up again just, like, highlights so many psychological issues in your weird brain. (laughs) Well, right. And, like, it was the section about him being sexist, right? And then he basically, like, countered her attack on his sexism by saying i made fun of rosie o'donnell but she deserved it like how, what how it does wasn't that even just that he like, was like i think everyone will agree that she deserved it and i right. like, i don't think everyone will agree no. i think most people don't care a very small number of people will agree and they're already voting for you and everyone else is like this is really bad <laughs> it's always really hard to tell how much effect a debate is going to have but surely surely this is going to swing the needle on women, right? Because there's still like a bunch of white women who are like, I'm very conservative and I'm voting for Trump. But he's so sexist all the way through the whole thing on like subtle levels and also on like really obvious levels that people can identify with in a personal way. I just, it, I would hope to God, you know, like, well, I mean, they always say that the most important group to get is white married women i think that's the specific demographic because they actually change their minds yeah other voting blocks are more like solidly in one camp or the other and if you can actually get them to the polls and then get them to vote for you that can help a lot and i just can't imagine being i mean obviously women are voting for him like that's an objective fact but i can't imagine watching that and as a woman and being like, yeah, he seems great. It was just, again, like so nightmarish to watch, uh, just purely on the level of like her as someone who has done this for her entire adult life. Like not necessarily as a politician, but just like been in this general field. And this like random asshole who doesn't fucking know anything, like her having to sit there and listen to him and smile while he just rambles on about whatever the fuck. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't form sentences. And, like, also the thing that lots of people were picking up on, which apparently is common throughout a lot of his appearances, but I hadn't noticed before, was, like, the sniffing. So people were, like, a lot of people were joking about him being on coke, but, like, you know, it seemed like maybe he had a cold or something. And it's just, like, so obvious compared to the whole controversy about Clinton's first her illnesses that didn't exist and then her pneumonia which she covered up and then worked through and it which was like a bad idea but then everyone was like she's got pneumonia and she was hiding it maybe there was like a secret illness and it's like you can't she can't really do anything right (laughs) strategically with having either a real or a fake illness and then he's showing up like maybe actually ill sniffing all the way through and it's like it's fine (laughs) well and like the the illness thing Like, obviously, if a male candidate came down with some, like, extremely serious disease at this stage of the election, that would be an issue. But broadly speaking, like, the fact that this is this has become such a huge thing, like her her body issues in general, like it there is one reason for that. We all know what it is. It's because she's a woman. Duh. Like for no man would this be happening someone went through all the previous presidents looking at all the ailments they had in office and it's like look it's not relevant 
think a lot of people are very ill and are disabled when they're in office ruling the world and it's everyone's a person and skills are not necessarily attached to how many hours of sleep you have per night or whether you have lung problems or whether you're in a wheelchair. JFK had Addison's disease. (laughs) But he looked great. So it was fine. No problem. Oh my god. The, oh my god. But uh, speaking of him not being able to speak in a coherent sentence, would you like to read out a quote? When they were in the, the cyber section, which is like, <laughs> that is like the official term. And like, I know people who are obviously full time like cyber reporters. And I'm just like, the word cyber to me is still very funny. Well, it's right? the fact that he says that and nuclear. Yeah. Which is not a term. Like, right. Wait, I think at one point he was talking about the cyber. But also nuclear. It's like, yeah, we've got all this nuclear. And it's like, I don't think people say that. (laughs) So I'm going to read two parts of this. The first part was like kind of the intro answer about cyber. As far as the cyber, I agree to parts of what Secretary Clinton said. We should be better than anybody else. And perhaps we're not. I don't think anybody knows it was Russia that broke into the DNC. She is saying Russia, Russia, Russia. But I don't. Maybe it was. I mean, it could be Russia. It could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It could be somebody sitting in in their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? And then the later section was, we came in with the internet. We came up with the internet. And I think Secretary Clinton and myself would would agree very much. Uh, When you look at what ISIS is doing with the internet, they're beating us at our own game, ISIS. So we have to be very, very tough on cyber and cyber warfare. It is it is a huge problem. I have a son. He is 10 years old. He has computers. He is so good with these computers. It's unbelievable. The security aspect of cyber is very, very tough. And maybe it's hardly doable. <laughs> and that's not even like he's been much worse than that. I really recommend people incidentally, like, go and actually read the quotes because it's so much worse even than like hearing you because well yeah when you hear someone say it it's like that's obviously incoherent but when you read it you really get a far higher level of comprehension for everything that he's not saying because the whole thing with his son i've heard that in other press quotes he's talked about how his son is very good at computer and maybe in one of the other debates he kind of mentioned oh yeah you know i like blocked my son from using some aspect of the computer but he always gets through because like he's 10 and donald trump is a 70 year old man who doesn't use the internet except when he's on twitter so it's like obviously his son is better at that than he is but like he just mentioned that here without going any further so he didn't have like a prepared anecdote he wasn't like explaining why he was name checking his son and his whole point is just like a 90 second ramble about how he doesn't know who hacked the dnc Russia definitely hacked the DNC. We all know that it was Russia and not a 400-pound man on a couch, which is, like, the weirdest. Like, I don't understand what that is at all. Strange hacker stereotype thing. Right. Like, okay. Um, And I guess, like, the young people will soon be hacking the DNC also, the children, but like, that's not like, what, what? I, Oh my God. But like, he just, it's literally. He's not expressing an opinion or a strategy or even any understanding of what hacking is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was like when, um, Lester Holt asked at the end, if he, if they would change the, um, what was it? The nuclear like launch protocol? I don't remember what the exact term is. Oh, me neither. But when I heard that term, I was like, Donald Trump is not going to know what I, this is. That was my exact <laughs> reaction too. And like, 
it was it was the thing where it's like um, the policy over whether America can attack first. I think, yeah. right? Um, first strike or whatever yeah. it is something like yeah. that. Um, and like I don't know the specifics of this, but I'm not running for the presidency, so it doesn't matter. And he immediately started. I had the exact same thing. I was like, he doesn't fucking know what this is. And he started giving this answer and like, he clearly had no idea. And I was like, this is like, this is a man who like, doesn't think that sending a nuke to Europe is off the table, but he doesn't know the basic. Yeah. It's like his whole demeanor and all of the content of all of his answers is just someone who's not done their homework and is trying to wing it in front of a class. Yes, you're watching it, kind of excruciating. I, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like I, you know, I really was thinking the whole time, like if this buffoon gets elected, like we just don't deserve it because it's such an absurdity that he has gotten this far. That I mean, and like I have no delusions over the, you know, makeup of America vis-a-vis the, you know, political parties, right? Like, I'm from a very liberal place, but I'm well aware that there are a lot of Republicans, but this is so insane on a level of just, like, I mean, it is unprecedented in terms of just, like, the massiveness of it. Like, obviously, very racist people have gotten elected to various positions, but, like, this is nuts like this is racism gross incompetence on like a mass scale and he's running for president and he might win like what what and if people could watch that and still be like yeah definitely then you know i just don't know i have no idea and and we don't even like i am going to be really curious to see what the polls say like by the end of the week yeah because it's like it doesn't like, you have to wait yeah. a few days before it shakes out and people yeah. actually know whether it had any effect. I mean, I guess what they, like, what they have to hope is that it swings millennials, right? Because it's, like, the, basically the, like, married white women vote and the millennial vote is what they have to be counting on at this point. Because everyone else is essentially so solidified that they're not moving, like anyone who's already decided how they're going to vote, I imagine did not have their mind changed by that because this has been going on for a year and a half. So everyone who's in that kind of weird demographic of people who loved Bernie Sanders and now love Gary Johnson, who like shares almost none of his opinions. Like I <laughs> Everyone sw- who switched over. It's like Gary Johnson. I mean, he's all over the place. He's a conservative libertarian who thinks the answer to climate change is moving to other planets. And doesn't like, know anything about foreign policy at all. Even if you don't like Hillary Clinton's foreign policy, which I don't particularly, like, she knows where Aleppo is, which is a plus. That's good. I'm glad I don't have to deal with the American electoral system. Although, obviously, right now, British Britain is very bad as well. It's, but I think yeah, on the whole, I do prefer our breakdown of parties where I can vote for smaller parties in Scotland and that sort of thing. And I don't have to participate in this kind of terrifying rigmarole. Well, yeah. And almost more distressingly, the Electoral College is dumb. Um, it's Although I think the intricacies of that are probably left for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. But like the the like... I mean, I think everyone sort of thinks that 
this time, popular vote and electoral college will go in the same direction, which is great. But like the anxiety over that also, and then like which states to put the money in, and on and on and on. It's just like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, it's all very stressful. Um, how many days left do we have? It's like it's like uh, fewer than ninety now. Five weeks. Oh boy. Have you cast your postal vote? No, I. They think they send them out early October or something like okay, that. Okay, so there's still time for you to change your mind then. Yeah, I am. I am a free, free spirit. I have free will. I can do whatever I please. <laughs> I can have a Trump conversion if I so desire. That sounds medical. Possible in this world. <laughs> but yeah, so thanks for tuning in for our post-debate coverage. <laughs> oh my god. Which we hope you enjoyed. Very yeah. happy topic. <laughs> Thrilling. Nice to get some of that out. So next week we're going to be talking about the movie Atonement, which is a great favourite of Morgan's and I've not seen yet, but I'm very excited to watch and I'm sure I will love. Um, and then after that, we are both heading off to the London Film Festival. Um, so we will be having probably several podcasts based on films that we see there, but it kind of depends on programming so we will get back to you on that but in the meantime you can visit our website at overinvestedpodcast.com twitter at overinvestedpod and our tumblr overinvestedpodcast.tumblr.com see you next week